Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thank you for joining me today. This is episode number six, and I'm excited to discuss the ideas of faith and coincidence today. First, I would like to share a little bit about my personal testimony. I'm not going to go into everything or all the little details, but I do want to share briefly a a few thoughts from my own testimony. So when I was in high school, I didn't really attend church much at all, and I wasn't really interested in the things of God at this time. However, at one point, there was an opportunity I had to meet this guy named Avery, and Avery moved to Countersport for a period of roughly two years, I think. He was not a longtime member of Countersport and not somebody I knew for very long at all. In fact, I haven't talked to him for years. However, at this time, um, I had a class called Pennsylvania Science, PA Science, because I live in Pennsylvania, and this class was described even by the teacher as essentially being useless. He said that everything we learned in this class, basically you learned in another class as well. So at some point you're either relearning in this class or you'll relearn later. It's unnecessary. In fact, this class was considered so unnecessary that the year after I took it, it was removed from any curriculum. They just completely deleted the class. However, Avery had moved here, I believe, the year that I was taking Pennsylvania Science, and there wasn't a lot of people in the class. Essentially, it was one where they just dumped extra people where they didn't have anything better for them to do. And I probably would have never become friends with this guy had it not been for this class. And so it was actually through this friendship that I resumed going to church, started up going to a youth group, uh, and all those things. It was very interesting looking back on this experience to realize that this guy lived in Countersport for roughly two years, I prob- and he wasn't in my grade at the time either. I probably would have never met him and got to know him well had it not been for this essentially useless class that only existed for that brief period of time. I don't know how long that they had been doing the class, but I was the last year that they had it, and it just so happened that that gave me the opportunity to meet this guy, and then through this relationship... I ended up resuming um, going back to church. I started going to youth group, which I'd never done before. And so it was this, you know, very interesting point in time. And a lot of people might attribute that to coincidence. I don't like to attribute it to coincidence. In fact, after becoming a Christian and being a Christian now for a few years, I really don't attribute a lot to coincidence. I'm not saying that every single thing that happens in life is like there's a super awesome divine meaning behind it. I mean, there's some things that are just kind of basic and maybe not a coincidence, but I believe in our lives that maybe there are times that God is trying to do something and we just kind of overlook it and claim it's coincidence because I believe that that whole situation was orchestrated by God because in the natural, it just doesn't really make sense. So with that, I want to read a little bit from Ephesians chapter one, and then I'm going to share about Adoniram Judson, a uh, missionary, and I think it'll be really good. So Ephesians chapter one kind of explains that, you know, believers have the redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. We will receive an inheritance someday being eternal life or heaven. And that the Holy Spirit was given as a down payment or a guarantee, basically that God said, Hey, this is your promise. This is a, like a tactical, practical thing that you can experience that, you know, that you'll have eternal life, that you'll have this promise that I'm giving you for the future. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit now. So this, these are some thoughts from Ephesians one. 
In Ephesians 1.11, kind of in the middle of this, it says this, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Counsel can also mean purpose or plan. Basically, God has a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a will for all of creation. And he works everything, all things that occur in creation according to this plan. There's not one thing in all of creation that can deviate from God's plan. He works all things according to this plan. Earlier in the chapter, Paul wrote in Ephesians 1.4, said, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So we see here that God has a plan that is so much greater than any of us probably have ever realized, knowing that he works all things according to the counsel of his will and that he is foreordained, he's predestined all these things to happen. Now, I don't want to enter into a debate between Calvinism or Arminianism and how much we have free will, how much God is sovereign, what's the balance, is there a balance? I don't really want to get into that in this uh, podcast episode. That is not my goal. However, I do want to present that God has a plan and he has had a plan and that he's going to work those all things according to this plan from even before the time of creation, before the foundation of the world, God had this plan. And this topic is especially in regards to salvation. Now, I don't think God necessarily had a plan for the t-shirt you were going to wear today. He maybe. I'm not saying that he can't. I just, I don't really think that that's really the issue. But God has had a plan for the day that you would get saved and how it would go. And, you know, all the, all the events that lead up to it, that orchestrate it, God is at work in all these little details. And sometimes we neglect to see God in the details of our lives. And as, as I said, you know, when it comes to salvation, God works all things according to his plan. He, he wants to bring home the prodigals, right? You, you read the story of the prodigal son and he was out in the slop and all this junk and he came home to his father. And in the same way, God has this destiny for everyone that's a Christian to experience eternal life with him in heaven, to be saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he has a plan for getting people to bow their knee and to, to come to that acknowledgement of Jesus as their savior. And so in the process of that, though, we might see a lot of things as coincidence, whereas really God is working in all the details of our lives. If you look through scripture specifically, you see so many times that God has worked in little details or things that a lot of people might attribute to coincidence. Because I guess if you don't believe in God and you don't believe there is a God or or whatever, then I don't know how you can have faith in God orchestrating things. You're essentially forced to believe in coincidence. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a Christian. And if you are a Christian, we should not have faith in coincidence. We should have faith in God. We should not have confidence in just things happening, whatever. We should have confidence in God's sovereign hand in his plan for our lives. If you look in scripture at the woman in the well, for instance, Jesus just so happened to go out of his way to go to Samaria, to go to this one well at an unusual time. And it just so happened there was this woman who needed to meet Jesus that just so ha happened to be there at the same time. You know, she went at a weird time because she was an outcast from society and it just so happened that Jesus bumped into her. I don't believe that. I believe that God's hand was on that situation. And again, that he was working all things according to the counsel of his will. And that he, 
you know, providentially said, Hey, Jesus, you're going to this place at this time, woman, you're going to this place at this time. And through that, we see that she was saved and she went and became probably the first evangelist in scripture. Another instance that might be even funnier, I guess, or even not funnier, but maybe more interesting is if you read in Mark chapter five, there's the story of the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus's daughter. And you see the woman with the issue of blood had this problem for 12 years. Jairus's daughter was 12 years old. It's an interesting coincidence. And on Jesus's way to heal Jairus's daughter, this woman interrupts. He takes too long. And on the path to get to heal this daughter, she dies. And then everybody's panicked because the girl died and Jesus can't heal somebody that's dead. But in fact, he can resurrect this child from the dead. But is it really a coincidence that Jesus just so happened to have this woman bump into him and, and come and grab the hem of his garment who had had this problem for 12 years and then he goes to heal a girl that is 12 years old? Like, do we really believe that all these things just kind of happened by chance, by coincidence? I certainly don't. I don't believe this at all. In fact, I believe that God, again, was working all things according to the counsel of his will. And so we see this all through scripture. You look and you see all sorts of times. It's so easy when you look at someone else's story, especially those within scripture, to be able to say, wow, look at how God was working in these details. There's no way that was a coincidence. You'd be crazy to think that's a coincidence. Well, unfortunately in our lives, maybe you, I know I have the temptation to not look at my own life that way, but Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He isn't going to check out. He isn't going to change. And he loves to get involved in these little details. He loves to do these things according to his will that maybe we don't always see or acknowledge because we're just too focused on other things or we just believe it's a coincidence. And so in light of this, I want to share some thoughts from To the Golden Shore. It's a book. So the book's title is To the Golden Shore, The Life of Adoniram Judson by Courtney Anderson. This was the most impactful book I've ever read in my entire life outside of the Bible itself. I highly, highly recommend it. It's just over 500 pages, so it's not for the faint of heart. However, I have got a total of, I believe, six different podcast episodes where I've got some ideas that I want to share from this book that impacted me, and I think they will be beneficial to you as well. I'm going to spread them out. I'm not going to give you a month and a half straight of Adoniram. I would probably love that because I really enjoyed this, but I want to spread it out a little bit. This is the first time, though, that we're going to discuss Adoniram Judson. And so he was a missionary to the country of Burma in modern day. That is Myanmar, and it's over near India, so it's a a ways away from America. He was from America. Uh, He was born in 1788, lived until 1850. So this book goes from his birth until his death. And so this all happened roughly 200 years ago. And it's a pretty exciting story. He was a pastor's son and he was super, super smart. So obviously God had had his hand on this kid because he was just amazing. So a few things from the book, uh, he was reading at the age of three years old, reading aloud. He was reading scripture at three years old. He started preaching to neighborhood kids. He would go and, and like gather up these kids in the neighborhood and he preached to them at age four. At age 10, he had a reputation for not only being amazing at math, but being awesome at Latin and Greek languages as well, of course, because when you're 10, you know, why would you not study Latin and Greek, right? It's pretty interesting. He entered a college at 16 years old, started as a sophomore. They decided to let him skip his freshman year because he was so smart. 
And he ends up graduating from Brown University at 19 years old and writes two textbooks by the time he's 20. So in the following year, uh, due to these, uh, the, the fact that he was so smart, he had a little bit of an issue with pride and he always wanted to be somebody great in life. You see this temptation he has to want to go and live for the world and be somebody great. And so he ends up going to this college, to Brown University. His father, again, was a pastor, uh, believed that God had such incredible things for his son. I mean, a a guy this smart, like obviously God's going to use him for something incredible. Well, unfortunately, uh, during Adoniram's time at college, he was led astray from his childhood faith, and he started to pursue deism. Deism isn't necessarily atheism. They do believe in a God. However, it doesn't, it doesn't accept any religion. So like all revealed religion, Christianity, all the others, it rejects them. It's like, yeah, there's a God, but I don't believe this is the right way. And the man that did this, his name was Jacob Eames. So Jacob Eames was a year older than Adoniram or a year ahead of him in school rather. And they were best friends. And so Jacob Eames was highly intellectual. So was Adoniram. And together, um, they convinced Adoniram to abandon the Christian faith. So obviously, uh, this is a bit of a crisis for Adoniram. He's a pastor's son, and he decides to leave his faith and moves back home after college and is essentially walking the, well, not walking the walk. He's talking the talk of Christianity, still attends church, still does all the Christian things with mom and dad uh, as he's staying at home. And finally is, is sick of living a, a double life essentially and confesses to his parents that he's completely abandoned the faith. He doesn't believe any of it anymore. He's now a deist. And obviously his um, father was completely crushed. And so this is where kind of this section of the story that I'm sharing picks up. So he goes and he denies the faith and he takes off from his home to New York. He goes to New York. He wants to enter into theater. He wants to be somebody great, right? He has this temptation He's got this pride to be famous. He wants to be like a playwright, I believe. And he wants to go, you know, at this time, be somebody famous. And so he goes to New York. That fails pitifully. God doesn't allow it to work um, for for him, at least. And so on the way back, he had an uncle who was also a preacher. And he went to stop at his uncle's parsonage on the way back home after his little dream had failed. Now, his uncle was out of town at the time. There was a young preacher, though that was currently working at the church and was staying in the parsonage. And Adoniram had never seen somebody close to his own age who was such a devoted Christian and that was obviously a preacher. And then this man, he said that this preacher, he had peace. He had no worldly aspirations. He had like, he was just content to be there to preach and he didn't have to go be somebody great. And furthermore, he was super kind he said that uh, his dad, who was also a pastor, was a little, little strict, a little harsh, you know, kind of that side of, of Christianity. And this man was kind. He was, he was somebody different, something different than Adoniram had ever experienced. And so it kind of got Adoniram thinking that maybe uh, there was some things regarding the Christian faith that he didn't quite understand or, you know, you know like there, there might be this side of things that he's unaware of. Like, look, this guy's got peace and he's got tranquility. And he's not aiming to be anybody big in life and he's young and he could be, but look, look at this, like this is different. And so it kind of got some wheels turning in Adoniram's mind. And then, 
So he leaves from there, decides not to stay there, and goes to a local country inn in some small town. We're not sure exactly what the town is. Uh, there's no record, really, of Adoniram ever going here um, other than this, to our knowledge. And so this is where the um, podcast episode really comes from as far as coincidence is concerned. This is so, so fascinating. So he stops at this country inn. He'd never been here before as far as we know. There was nothing significant about it. It wasn't like an area that he frequented or anything. He just so happened to go. And he checks in, talks to the innkeeper, and the innkeeper says, look, we only have one room available. We've just got one room. That's it. And the neighbor is dying. He's very sick. Um, he might not die, but he's very sick. He could die. And is that okay with you? Are you okay being in the room next to the dying guy? And Adoniram says, sure, I don't care. You know, whatever. I've seen people die before. Sure, put me in. And so that night, Adoniram starts thinking about death. He's like, this guy next door is dying. Is he, is he ready to die? Am I ready to die? You know, that thing in New York didn't work out. There was that young preacher. He was different than anybody I've, I've really met. And there's this guy dying next door. So he's kind of got these thoughts turning over in his head. And I'm going to read a few quotes um, from the book here. And so this is what it says. It says, this is on page 43, if you ever get the book. It says, quote, he wondered how he himself would face death. His father would welcome it as a door opening outward to immortal glory. So much his creed had done for him. But to Adoniram, the son, the free thinker, the deist, the infidel, lying huddled under the covers, death was an exit, not an entrance. It was a door to an empty pit, to darkness darker than night. At best, to extinction. At worst, to what? On this matter, his philosophy was silent. It had no answer, but who knows? So that was, again, from page 43. So Adoniram's thoughts are kind of turning around like, hey, uh, my dad is going to welcome death, knowing that it's an open door. But for me, what does it mean? You know, and that's kind of an intense thought. And then he goes... And he starts thinking, he's like, well, I don't know about all this. What would Jacob Eames think? What would this guy that converted me to deism, you know, he was always confident and whatever else. And so Adoniram starts thinking about this and he actually feels ashamed of himself for even second guessing, you know, his, the deism that he had converted to and considering what death might bring, he felt completely ashamed. He's like, what would this guy think? So then in the morning, Adoniram is, you know, like thinking what in the world happened last night? What was my problem? What, what was that all about? Like what got into me? And so he goes to check out at this inn and then move on with his life and just casually asks the innkeeper like, Hey, uh, you know, did what happened with the guy next door last night? Anything happened? And the innkeeper's like, Oh yeah, uh, that guy died. He died last night. And that you know, kind of startled Adoniram. And he said, well, do you know, do you know who that young man was? And so, the innkeeper responded, oh yes, he was a young man from the college in Providence. His name was Eames, Jacob Eames. Isn't that insane? So Adoniram had been deconverted from Christianity, had, had become a deist based on Jacob Eames, um, you know, discussions with him. And then he goes and he starts to think like, hey, you know, what about death? What about this guy next door? You know, all, all these things. And then he's like, you know, 
I'm embarrassed. Like, what if Jacob Eames was here? If I talked to this guy, I'd, I'd feel shamed. And then turns out that the man dying next door was actually Jacob Eames, and he had absolutely no idea. Here's another quote from page 44. It says, If Eames's own views were true, neither his life nor his death had any meaning. The coincidence of his dying on the other side of a partition from Adoniram in a remote country inn was simply a meaningless incident and a plan too huge and impersonal to take account for individuals. But then this is Adoniram's thought. It says, quote, For that hell should open in that country inn and snatch Jacob Eames, his dearest friend and guide, from the next bed, this could not, simply could not, be pure coincidence. So Adoniram started to consider, you know, the Christian God, his father's God. And he says, well, that God, he's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He had all power. And so thinking about this, he said, that God could have foreseen where I was at that night, where Jacob was at at that night. And the fact that he is all powerful, he would have done this with a purpose and he would have done this, you know, by his own power to, to arrange this event. It's not just a coincidence. And so then it, this is the conclusion. This is another quote says, it was no coincidence that Adoniram had spent this particular night at this particular inn, thinking those particular thoughts. He had been warned, amply warned. That's on page 45. So you see here that Adoniram is finally like, I can't not, I cannot believe that that was just coincidence. It's impossible. Like there's, there's no way that my best friend who deconverted me from Christianity died in a bed next door in a place I I've never been. Like, I don't go to this place very often. I had no idea he was going to be there. So it ends up being the Adoniram's full disbelief in coincidence ends up leading to his faith in Jesus Christ and his salvation all through this one event. Remember, God works all things according to the counsel of his will, especially in regard to salvation. He will do what it takes to bring his people home to him, to bring the prodigals home to him. And so Adoniram, you know, he went through the season. He was so smart. And it, it says this in the book. It says that the very qualities that made the boy so worth saving made him hard to save. I thought that was so interesting. So it says that Basically, because he was so, so intelligent, he could do so much for the kingdom of God. But at the same time, because he was so intelligent, it was so hard to get him to acknowledge Jesus Christ and to humble himself and to repent of his sins and confess Jesus as a savior. And so I, I think that's something we can look at in the lives of other people. You know, is there somebody you know that you're like, man, they're, they're like, I cannot imagine them becoming a Christian. They're so hard to save. But a lot of times those qualities are the things that God can really use when they bow their knee to Jesus. So Adoniram ends up going, he enrolls in a seminary, he's saved radically, and he devotes his entire life to missionary work in Burma. He endures countless trials and spends basically his entire life trying to win them to Jesus Christ and to translate the scripture into their language. It's a fascinating story. I'll share more in later episodes. But with that said, I just want to ask you, how often do you look at everything in your life as a coincidence? Now, again, there can be some coincidences in life. I'm not saying everything is, is insanely divinely orchestrated. You know, I, our church has t-shirts that represent our church. And if I wore my church t-shirt to church and somebody else wore their church t-shirt to church, I don't necessarily think that is a insane 
you know, divine working of all this fancy stuff. Not necessarily. Like, there can be stuff that's just like, oh, we happen to wear the same shirt. But at the same time, a lot of times we look that way at everything and neglect that God is moving in the details of your life, of my life. So I want to encourage you, don't give all credit to coincidence in your life. Look for the times that God is at work because God is at work in your life. Just as he is, he was at work in the lives of the apostles, those who've been great through church history, people like Adoniram, you know, just as he's working in their lives, he's at work in your life. Doesn't mean you necessarily have the same calling and you'll do those same things or whatever, but you do serve the same God who desires to work in your life today. So with that, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week and until I see you next time, Let's live out our faith each day without exception.